it's a blessing to be here tonight. You know, um, five years ago, as we began our mission journey, uh, we called uh, a pastor named Tom Lucozzi and didn't even know who he was. He didn't know us, but he was kind enough to take us out to lunch. And that began a relationship with this church, which we're very grateful for. So thank you so much. Um, we are Daryl and Shanette, and we are your missionaries in Cameroon, Africa. Um, when we were in our 50s, after I had taught for 28 years, and Shanette was a nurse and homeschool mom, God called us to go and plant the church among the Fulani people in Africa. There are over 39.5 million Fulani all across Africa. They're Muslim. They don't know Jesus. And God has given us the amazing privilege of building redemptive relationships with Fulani people. And we believe the truth and the fulfillment of the promise that we find in Romans 15:21. Those who've never been told of him will see, and those who've never heard will understand. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for letting us be here tonight. We've just learned along the road that it's really important to meet and connect with each of you. We had a pastor that told us when you're struggling on the field and you need to know that people are praying for you, you're going to remember the eyes of the people that you saw when you were traveling. And so your eyes are very important to us. And now we have masks. So like the, the eyes are double important now, right? But uh, we have several ways that we can connect with you. We do have a text to connect if you're interested in that. We'd love to take your email address because you are truly our partners. So um, we can do email address. We can do home address. Whatever works for you, we would love to connect with you. We also have a private Facebook page. So if you're interested in following us, I love pictures, as you will be able to see tonight. And so we have a private page. If you look, you can take a prayer card. Look either of us up by Daryl or Shauna and our last name, and then um, become our friend, and we'll invite you to our closed page. Uh, we do work with Muslim people, and so there have been people that we w have worked with in the past that are very sensitive and in sensitive places. We want to protect them, as well as some people that we may work with in the future. So that's why we have a closed page, but it does tell a story if you want to follow our story. So our first term, like Daryl said, we were called late in life. Our first term began in 2017. We took our youngest son, who was 18, had been homeschooled. He was 17 when we left, been homeschooled his whole life. Went to um, Bamako, Mali. While we were there, we learned how to minister in the Muslim context. White girl and boy from Iowa knew nothing about Islam. It's not like God had laid it on our heart at the age five. Um, it was just what God called us to do. So while we were there, we learned to work in the Muslim context as a team. Team is a very healthy way for um, workers across the world to stay together and to remain healthy. But all the while, the main goal always is plant the church. Amen. Share the gospel with those that ha have not heard. So after our time there, we came back to the U.S., brought our youngest to college, and uh, we were finally able to transition to our country in Central Africa, Cameroon, um, in October of 2018. So what we'd like to do is take you on a little trip to, to our country and show you some of the things that when, uh, we've seen and we've done. So if you go ahead and go to the next slide, uh, you'll see there uh, we studied French. We didn't learn it completely. We studied it. Uh, we didn't use textbooks. Uh, you see there our uh, wonderful language nurturer. 
and uh, some of the objects on the table, the pictures that we used to learn the French language so we could begin to build those redemptive relationships. Okay, go ahead and go to the next one. And we just really believe um, as um, people that are trying to win the Muslim people to Jesus, we have to win them to ourselves first. So we're very relationship-oriented, which I know you guys are too. And um, as a result of that, we celebrated, we cooked, we played, we did everything with our uh, Muslim community that God just miraculously blessed us with right outside our compound, open doors waiting. We celebrated Ramadan with them. And you say, but you don't have Ramadan in your religion. Well, we celebrated Christmas with them too, and they don't have Christmas in their religion. So what a great way to open the door to ask questions and to begin to learn about each other and share Jesus' love. Those kids are like our grandkids. Like We spent a lot of time there. They don't speak English, so we had to speak French when we were there. So go ahead and go to the next one, please. Uh, this is two gentlemen. Uh, both of these men are Quranic teachers, which means the children go to their homes or to the school after they're done with their normal school and learn the Quran. They memorize it. They don't understand what they memorize, but they're memorizing it. And these are two men who lived in our neighborhood who taught the Quran, but by the grace of God, I was able to give them each a Bible in their own language. And you see there, they're seeing the Bible for the first time. So we're trusting God will use the word in their lives. Amen. Go ahead and go to the next one. And so once again, we're living the African way. Um, they had their, the Islamic people are extremely hospitable. So you can't go to their house without eating a plate full, and then they send some home with you too. So I'm returning this pan, and everyone always says, well, what was in it? It was cornbread. They like just a little bit of sweet, but not a lot. So I made some cornbread, and Bashi Roo just hung out with me that afternoon while I went home. These um, kids in the courtyard around us, wherever we were, there were a mob of kids. So when we went to the next courtyard to visit the next family, then the kids just all came with us. So we were one big happy family. Go ahead and go to the next one, please. And here's one of the projects we were able to do. We did a water filter project. We were able to take over 200 filters that were purchased by churches in America. But we work with the national church, and you'll see that in a second. But we were able to give them clean water because clean water is a very heavy need. They're sick all the time simply because they don't have the clean water to drink. So if you go ahead and go to the next one. So on distribution day, we had trained a team of 10 people that spoke in the native language of those villages to go with us and to teach them about how to use the water filters correctly so that they can last a very long time. But then we were able to pray with them, which opened doors of opportunity. And if you go to the next one, uh, we're gracious to God to say that a church was planted in the village of Andon simply because those filters opened the door for, us to be, for the church to become a part of that community. So we're really excited about that. And the next one, please. And... Um, when we were able to go to um, the, with the local church to their services, occasionally they would ask Daryl to preach. Interesting note: women aren't allowed to preach in that in that culture. Culture in that context. I just wanted to use the right word. I didn't want to say religion, but in that culture, in that context, and it gave us a reason to dress up in our African clothes too. So that was fun. Next one, please. And anybody here heard of Speed the Light? Come on. We are so thankful for Speed the Light because because of that we have a nice Toyota truck, and that truck allowed us to do that water filter project because the dirt roads became mud in the rainy season. The rainy season was supposed to be over when we started it, but guess what? It wasn't. 
So thanks to God, we had this vehicle we could transport those filters, and we're so grateful for that. So grateful. I call it our kingdom truck. Go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, when we go back, we're going to be, we were based in the capital city. Um, now when we go back, we're going to go to the Muslim area. It's about 12 hours drive north of where we lived. And while we're there, we have some goals. The first thing we need to do is learn the Opade language. That's the la heart language of the Fulani. We want to pray that God will give us people of peace that we begin to build those relationships with. We also need to look for ways of creative access into their culture, reasons for them to interact with us and us with them, and all with the purpose of we want to share the gospel and plant the church among the Fulani people there. So when God called us to go to Africa, I said, God, what are you thinking? This white girl halfway around the world, I felt very incompetent. Um, and he just said, Seanette, all I want you to do is go and build relationships. I thought, hmm, I'm a relational girl. I can do that. And he said, make those redemptive relationships that lead the people to me. I'm like, okay, okay. So as we're going back our second term, we're going into new city, new culture, because it's so far from the capital city, new language, new home, new neighbors. And I'm like, God, really? What is it that you want me to do while you have me there? And he said, Seanette, I just want you to go build relationships those redemptive relationships that lead them to me. As we were sitting in a service, there, was, there is a church up in that area that we're working side by side with. And as I was sitting in that service, the worship began to play and tears just started to flow. And God just started speaking to me. And he said, Seanette, these are your people and this is your city. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go back. We're going to move 12 hours north of where we lived before and pray and believe that God's just going to open those courtyards just like he did the first time, and build those relationships so that we can share Jesus' love with them. Have you ever wanted to ask a cross-cultural worker, what's it like to live over there? None of you have ever thought that, really. I know I have, or I did. I don't have to anymore. We want to show you a little bit about what normal life looks like in our Central African country. You can see here that's a normal day, and the capital city is kind of crowded. I love this one. Uh, that van is probably a 20-passenger van with 30 people in it. And I guarantee you the last guy on the bus got his bag all the way to the top. Yeah. The next one, I, this, is, this is great. You know, motos are all over the city. They use them as taxis. What do you do when your moto breaks down? It's simple. You put it on the back of another moto and you take it to the repair shop. There are two men on that moto and a moto. Go ahead and go to the next one. And how many people can you get on one of those 125 motos? Well, there's six on this one. If you count them, you could almost get the one in the back. We almost missed this picture, as you can see. Okay. That's common. And next, this is one of my favorites. Who needs a truck? That's a couch on top of that taxi, folks. Now, it's not uncommon to see that with a, a love seat and a chair hanging out the back end. Next, and if you're in the market for a chicken, you go to the market and you look for a chicken basket. If you look close, you can see the heads of the chickens sticking out trying to get some air. Okay. And the next one, yeah, uh, these were for sale in the produce section of an otherwise European-looking grocery store. I mean, they had, you know, tomatoes and lettuce and peppers and carrots and grubs. 
Those are live grubs. They were wiggling in the container. I have a grub story if you want to hear it later. So. <laughs> Next, this is something that's also very normal in our country. Uh, we, took, uh, we drove up that road from the capital 12 hours north. We went through a lot of villages, and you always saw a mosque, but you rarely saw a church. The, the mosque was the most prominent building in the city, better kept than anything else, but there's no churches in those villages. That's why we go. Let's go ahead and go to the next one, please. So you may be thinking that um, those things aren't normal, but they are. They may not be normal to us, and it may not be wrong. It's just different. But this is normal for our country. And Africans are normal people. They have the same needs that we have, spiritual and physical needs. And, you know, our physical needs here in Arizona are met very differently than they are in Africa. They're still met, just different. But the spiritual need is still the same. They all have the need for Jesus. And we have friends that we'd love to introduce you to tonight. And we have a special bond with them. We love them like our family. But we know that they still have that need for Jesus. So our stories are your stories. They're your stories because you're our partners. Truly, without you, we can't do what we do. And we do this together. It's not just us talking about what we did. It's we're telling you what you all did. So thank you for that. So in our capital city on a Saturday morning, you would go by our compound and hear a lot of children and a lot of laughter and a lot of playing because we invite them in on Saturday mornings to play. And you know that that Saturday morning has a deeper meaning, right? We're having them there to share the love of Jesus with them. Um, most of those children were French-speaking Muslim. There was occasionally a, a, a child that was from a Christian home that would join us, and they understood just a little bit of English. So when I found those kids, they were my language helpers. They were the ones that helped me communicate with these 50 kids that we played with every Saturday morning. And as uh, we did that, we began to develop lots of relationship with those those kids. And on a Saturday morning in December, I decided that I was not going to let the Muslim kids go home without understanding what Christmas was about. Like, what an opportunity. But I was in the country a short time, had very little French, and knew that I couldn't accomplish that on my own. But as I uh, went to play with the kids, if you go to uh, the next slide, um, it was a hot, our country is tropical, so it's very humid as well as hot. And um, they love to braid my hair. They think it's slippery is what they say. And so that's one of the things that the girls enjoy. And so I'm holding a baby there. I want you to understand that that baby was carried by one of those youngest girls on her back that every Saturday morning. And so our goal is to take those babies so that those girls can play like children and enjoy their Saturday mornings and have a little bit of freedom. So I'm holding that baby and all these girls. This is not the exact day, but they were all the way around me and my hair was hanging in my face. It was really hot and humid and kind of miserable. But I just began to realize, Seanette, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. And so I began to say, what is Christmas? And this girl that's in the red shirt was there and she spoke just a little bit of English, enough to understand what I had asked. And she answered in French. And I understood enough to say that to know that she said, it's Jesus' birth. And so I continued to ask my questions. 
where is he now? Can he live in your heart? You know, who is he? And she answered every one of those questions in French. And by the time we were done, the whole gospel had been presented to those girls. And only God can make that happen, right? Amen. And so when I was done, there's a little girl in the back that has a blue headdress. And we'll call her um, Fatim tonight. We'll just name her Fatim. And um, she was there. And I knew that this was a challenge to her. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, Jésus t'aime. And I was telling her in French that Jesus loved her. And she shook her head really strongly, just like she couldn't dare to understand that or believe that, and she ran off to play. So I began praying while I was sitting there that God would give me another opportunity with Fatim. And so in the next slide, later that morning as we were cleaning up all the toys, Fatim came up and ran and just hugged me as tight as she could. And I believe that she was sensing I had something that she needed. And I looked her in the eyes again, and I said, Jésus t'aime, et je t'aime aussi. And I was telling her, Jesus loves you, and I love you too. And you know, it's going to take a lot for her to begin to understand that concept. It's so foreign to her. But a couple weeks before that, we had had a little boy that came playing on that Saturday morning. And a little bit later, his sister came in and started beating on him, like pretty hard, pretty intensely. And I didn't understand what was going on, but our colleagues began to explain that his father had told him, you cannot go back there. You will not go to those Saturday mornings any longer. You're not allowed to. And, you know, that brought us to a realization that Fatim could very well be persecuted for believing the normal that we know that she's his daughter, that she's God's daughter. So she hasn't come to that realization yet, but I know that she hears those words that I spoke to her and those hugs that I give her every week that she's going to come to that realization when you pray with me for Fatim and the other kids, that they will come to that realization that Jesus loves them. As Shanet was saying, our Muslim friends don't know the normal that God has for them. They don't know that God loves them as a father. They don't know that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for them. In fact, if you tell them that, they push back because in their world and their culture, that's not possible. But we know it is possible. We know that's the normal God has for them. And that's why we go. That's why we want to tell them. You know, someone um, would tell you that that's not possible, that they'll never come to Christ. But we get our encouragement from a guy named Paul. Never heard of the Apostle Paul. We want to take you to Acts chapter 26, verse Uh, 17 and 18 for just a second. We're going to highlight that. But we're going to start at verse 15. And this is where Paul has his conversation with Jesus on the road to Damascus when he comes and he sees that great light. And then he asks Jesus in verse 15, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus replied, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. Here's the good part. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That day, Jesus changed Paul's normal. Just like that. And then he said, Paul, I want you to go out and talk to people who need their normal change too. 
I want you to tell them that they can be taken from darkness to light. That they can be taken from the power of Satan to the power of God. That they can know the forgiveness of me and come and live with me forever. And you know, that's exactly what he did. He went out. He and others talked about Jesus to people who'd never heard of Jesus before. And as they came to Christ, they were discipled and they planted churches. The people that Paul went to had no previous knowledge of who Jesus was, never heard of him. You know that 41% of the world today is still in that same place. Three billion people have never heard an adequate presentation of the gospel. Three billion people. Now, Seanette and I want to, like Paul, take the gospel to those who have yet to hear. And as they come to know Jesus, their normal will change. And then we'll be able to disciple them. And as we disciple them, they'll form groups and form churches. And then they'll go out and disciple others. And that is why we go. We want them to experience a new normal what it looks like before they even come to Jesus through our relationship with them, through their, our friendship with them, they'll see Jesus is different. You know, as we moved to Africa, our normal changed. All those things that we were introduced to, we'd never seen before here. New cultural, new language. But as we adapted and as God gave us those appointments, we were able to begin people on their journey of coming to Christ. And we all have the same privilege. We all have the same privilege, and I would say responsibility, to see people's normal change. But first, he changes our normal. And the reality is he continues to change our normal, and then he uses us to change the normal of other people as well. And maybe... Just maybe there's someone who senses that God wants to change your normal in a way that you would go out and bring others. In fact, Seanette and I have been called to go to our country where there's two and a half million Fulani people. We can't reach them by ourselves. But we believe that God is raising up people to come with us. And we also believe that you may be sitting here tonight. Maybe someone here is saying, God is calling me to go, and he's calling me to go with you. And if that's the case, all you have to do is say yes, God will do the rest, and age is no excuse. I know people in their 60s who went to Africa for the first time as missionaries. So just say yes. And as we get ready to close tonight, we have some questions for you. We're not implying anything by these questions, but we want you to stop and think about this. First of all, does your normal include Jesus? If you're here tonight and your normal does not include Jesus, tonight's the night. When this service is over, come find us, come find Pastor Tom or Pastor James and say, you know what, tonight's the night. I want to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe your normal does include Jesus but you know there are things in their life that are not the normal God has for you specifically. There are things he's still wanting to change. He wants to mold you in a different way. Are you willing to say yes? The only way you're going to change is if you're willing to change. If you say yes. 
Maybe your normal includes thoughts about yourself or others you shouldn't be having. Maybe you're thinking, God is asking you to do something and you're saying back to God, that's impossible, that can't happen. Maybe there's unforgiveness in your life. Yeah, I said it. Maybe there's somebody you need to make a right relationship with. Whatever God wants to make in you as a new normal, let him do it. We all have the privilege to help God. Because he's saying, I want to bring them to me, but I need you to help me. He wants to bring them from Satan to the light. He wants to bring them from darkness to Jesus, to the light. And so each of us have a part in that. And God showed me as I was preparing and praying that he wants to shake up our normal. That's really uncomfortable. I understand. Because my normal was shook up. So your normal that you have every day may not be everything that God has for you. We know it's not, right? We're not complete here. And so that's our prayer for you. That's our prayer for the staff, for the prayer for the people, that God just shakes your normal so that when the opportunity arises, your eyes will be open and you'll see who he's calling you to help come to Christ. So in a few minutes, we're going to open up for a question and answer. But before we do, I'd like to say a prayer for this church. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God who is normal. And you know what each of us need. In fact, when you put us on this earth, you put us here for a specific purpose. And every day you're calling us and you're drawing us and you're moving us into that normal you have for us. And I thank you that the normal we have today is not the normal that we'll have tomorrow. It'll be bigger and better as you say we go from glory to glory. So I pray for the precious people in this congregation, the ones who partner with us and who partner with you, for the pastors and the staff, for those who are teaching and leading in every way, those who come every Sunday and hear the word and worship you. I pray that you'll begin to shake them up and help them to see the new things you have for them. And Lord, if there's somebody here tonight who's for the first time saying yes to you, Lord, I thank you that you are, even now as they say that and asking for forgiveness, you're forgiving them. As they're trusting you as their Savior and to be their Lord, the one who guides their life, that you are coming into them and saying yes to them and calling them as your child and growing in them. And Lord, I pray that you would help them and even be bold enough after service to make that declaration to one of us that you would help them to be all you've created them to be. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. We thank you that what you have started, you will complete. And again, we thank you for the partnership of this church, and we pray that you will bless it, that the ministry of this church would be way beyond these walls, or that it would be going all around Chandler and all around this area, seeing people come to Christ as they take your truth and your light out. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much. Hope I didn't step on anybody's toes. Well, no, I don't really. I shouldn't say that. How many times do you wish you don't step on people's toes, right? Yeah, he likes to, he said, in case you didn't hear that.
So before we close tonight, we have a few minutes. Anybody have questions for us? Any questions good? Um, we may not know all the answers, but we'll try to give you But we won't make any up. I need a drink. Sorry. It's really dry down here in Arizona. Just saying. Anyone have any questions? Yes. How do we handle with COVID-19? That's a really good question. Um, we were in Cameroon, our country, in March. We'd actually been in the country here for a few weeks on a little bit of a vacation. Then we went to Egypt for a conference. And then we got back to Cameroon. And uh, like a week later, they closed the borders. And we prayed and we sought God. And at that point, there was no way out. So it's like, God, you got to take care of us. There is no health care in Cameroon. I will say they have hospitals, they have clinics, but you don't really want to go there because you'll end up sicker than you were when, before you went. It's, it's really a bad situation. They do their best, but they just don't have the technology, they don't have the procedures, the equipment. So we, and Seanette had had some health issues over the years before we went to Africa with, with lung issues. So we're thinking, okay, we're in Africa, we have no health care, what do we do? Uh, we pray, we ask God to help us. So, the government offered uh, a flight out. The U.S. government offered a repatriation flight for any U.S. citizens that wanted to get back to the country here. And we prayed about and thought, oh, we're supposed to stay. So we stayed. We went out and bought a bunch of food, a bunch of fuel. We were set for a couple months. And then, a couple weeks later, the embassy offered another flight after they already told us the first one was going to be the last one. And we prayed again. And God said, go home. So we came back. Um, we did say, what? Yeah, I was like, God, <laughs> no, we don't want to go home. We're ready to stay here. But we were obedient. We came back. And we're thankful because um, three weeks after we got back, uh, uh, one of our daughter-in-laws was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she had to go through a lot of chemo and radiation. We were able to take care of their uh, one-year-old daughter during that time. So God brought us back for a reason. Now, COVID in Cameroon is uh, bad. In fact, we just got a message from the superintendent of the national church there. His wife told us that they've lost many friends to COVID. The government is so corrupt that the people don't believe it when the government tells them that COVID is bad as it is. They think the government's inflating the numbers. And even if they get it, they don't go to the doctor for health care of any kind for the most part because they don't have the finances to do that. So COVID is a real challenge. So pray for the people in Cameroon because when they get sick, and if they're really sick, they don't have much hope. We have a colleague who was there, and just three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, he came down with COVID in Cameroon. Um, he needed oxygen, and they didn't have it for him in the country. Since he's an American missionary, they were able to fly him out to another country to take care of him, and now he's went back because he has work to do there. And we want to go back as, as soon as our finances are ready and God says, go, we're, we're going back. And we have our COVID vaccinations. I know that's a big discussion, but for us, it's extremely important going back into the third world culture of having that protection. Yeah. So for us, it's part of the process. And also, um, the borders are still closed. They're not letting just anyone in. The embassy's not processing visas to start with. Matter of fact, travels. But we worked from two days, after, two weeks maybe, after we landed on the ground until um, last December to get our residency permit. It's a big ordeal. We came back to the U.S. twice with visa issues. 
because we couldn't stay in the country. And so right before we left to come home for vacation in January, we were granted our residency permit. So as a result of that, we can go back into the country. So God brought us home early, but, uh, you know, in the bigger scheme of things, we're going to be able to go back probably earlier too. So, which is going to be probably the end of the year because of COVID and everything that's going on. Other questions? Yes. Real loud. Actually, we have not. Um, the, and we have Repeat a map. The question. Yeah, he, the they asked if we haven't had any in, encounters with Boko Haram. Who is Boko Haram? Is is Islamic militants in northeast Nigeria and Cameroon borders there. And the Boko Haram do go into northern Cameroon and cause havoc, kill people, kidnap people. It happens. Uh, the U.S. government and the national Cameroon government said, if you are not a Cameroon citizen, we don't want you going up there. Now, where we live, the Muslims are very peaceful. They were wonderful friends. The people we showed you were, were great people. So we haven't had encounters, but I do know if someone in that area would convert to Christ, and some have, they usually don't stay there because of the persecution so that they go to a safer place, which sounds wonderful, but when you stop and think about that, you can't plant a church where there are no Christians. So what we would like to see is God bring together enough of those people they could have a presence that they could protect one another, if that makes sense. Also, there were other denomination, other faith-based um, workers that were in the north when it, become, when it became unsafe because of the Boko Haram. They were all moved um, to the middle of the country into a city called Ngandre, which is as far north as you can go with that no-go line that's been established for non-Cameroonians, and that's the city that's 12 hours north that we're going to go to. So we're right on that line, and we want to send people up there to save people, to get them to come to Jesus. So uh, we have to be careful. We have to be alert. We have to be aware. We have to be wise. Um, but in the capital city, it was not an issue. As we move north a little bit more, we just might have to think differently or even more cautious than we did. I think we have time for one more question. Who's got a burning question? They can't wait to get out. Yes. What's my favorite food? Peanuts are really common in Cameroon. And they make this amazing peanut-based sauce that they put on rice. Sometimes they put chicken in it. Sometimes they put beef on it. That's my favorite. I mean, my favorite sandwich is peanut butter and jelly. So, I mean, that comes really close. <laughs> How about you? What's your favorite? Um, I like eating the traditional foods. So, in Cameroon, that's a lot of beans, a lot of fish, and a lot of rice. But our friends made a bean dish that was absolutely yummy. So, it was white beans that were cooked, and they had all kinds of seasoning in them, which usually includes ground-up fish, bones and all, just so you know that. I just wanted to say that. And then they um, fried onions and put it all over the top of it, and it was really good. So that's one of them. And when we went to the village, we have a village that we worked with for the water filtration project. The chief and his wife invited us back out to eat with them. And she made uh, my uh, corn, sorry, <laughs> trying to think in English. She made a corn dish that she actually took the nuts from the palm tree and had set them out earlier in the day to dry a little bit. And then she used her pedestal and mortar and and 
pounded those nuts until it was just this bright orange color and mixed it all in with some vegetables in the corn. I can't remember the name of it. I'm terrible with that kind of, I'm, yeah. I'm learning another language. I got too many words in my brain. <laughs> so I can't remember the name of it, but it was just fresh. It was all fresh vegetables. So that was good. Um, I have too many. The worst food? <laughs> I don't like fish. And we went to a pastor's house, actually one of the, the national leaders, and they served us this plate with this fish that was at least a foot long, head to tail, eyeballs, whole scales, the whole thing. And I'm looking at this thinking, I don't like fish to begin with. Especially and with the skin. especially with the skin in the head. And then I said, and it was huge. You know, and they have all this rice. It's like, I couldn't eat it all. And I explained to the, the pastor's wife, I can't eat all this. And she was gracious enough to cut it down the middle and gave her the half with the head and me the half with the tail. <laughs> My wife was brave. She ate everything but the head. She ate the skin and she didn't eat the bones. In Cameroon, they eat the skin, the bones. When they're done she with the fish, the it's all gone. I mean, it's all gone. So at the end of the meal, the, the pastor's wife's picking up the plates. And I still had the skin and the bones. I ate the meat, but I couldn't, I just couldn't do the skin and the bones. And she picked it up and looked at me in disgust, like I wasted her food. I thought, oh, man, I have insulted this pastor's wife. What am the I going to do? superintendent's this wife. Is not good. <laughs> but so uh, fish is not one thing I want to eat over there. But I will do it if I have to. Okay, so I never got to taste it. But on the street, they have what looked like a shish kebab. It looks like teriyaki chicken. Like, you know, every time we went by, I'm like, wow, that looks yummy. Because they season things great. Usually it has pepe, which is a hot hot red pepper that they've ground. And I just kept saying, I want that. And they're like, no, Seanette, you're new in the country. You shouldn't do that. That's going to make you sick. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you know, whatever. And so we go through the market. We drove through every day, like right past it. And I'm like, I really want to try those shish kebabs. And they're like, no, you can't do that. You're going to get sick. I'm like, Daryl, don't you think I'll be okay? Come on, I want to try this really bad. I'm, I'm you know, game to jump into anything. And so then we went to the marketplace and we saw the grubs, and all of a sudden I realized, oh, hello, that's not chicken. <laughs> it's grubs. <laughs> so I never did eat it. But I may have never known the difference. I don't know. Yeah, well, I couldn't do it because of the bacteria. And honestly, I'll say we were really, I was sick, especially a lot in the country. Um, I had typhoid, which it, usually you don't get, um, but I did. And uh, malaria is rampant. We didn't get malaria. We take anti-malaria medications. Anyway, we have a lot of waterborne diseases there also. And because we were in the village, I think I got sick there. And then I went to a potluck with the national church, and I got sick there. So, uh, you know, when they say don't eat it, and they're, they're probably right. But sometimes you just have to go out in faith. But it's funny. We eat with our Muslim friends, and we never get sick from eating their food. Yeah. All right. I think we've taken up enough time, Pastor. You so can ask any you. question if you want to stop by and pick up a prayer card. We need your prayers. We love your prayers. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for helping us plant a healthy church within walking distance of every African. Amen. <laughs>